Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Earlier today, the headline was four shot, one stab to death in Indianapolis. And this had nothing to do with what happened with the Dutch soldiers, which is in and of itself a crazy story. You have soldiers from the Netherlands. They're doing training, commando work. They get into a fight. That fight then has a part two that escalates with three of them shot outside a hotel in downtown. One dies. This is a, an international incident that makes Indianapolis look bloody awful. And I use the term purposefully. Indianapolis looks bloody, bloody awful. This isn't a debate that we're having. This is a problem that exists, that Indy is a violent place and seen as a violent, dangerous place. It came downtown. It's weird this week because you guys know about the stations, right? The stations are selling. Emmis Corp. Which used to be Emmis Communications Corp. It is now Emmis Corp. Emmis Corp. is selling the stations, including our beloved WIBC, to Urban One. And people are freaked. And especially when this first got announced a little over a month or so ago. People absolutely freaked out. I don't think anybody should be freaked out at all. I don't think there's anything to freak out about, guys. I, th- I think breathe deep. I have no reason to think that this is going to be a problem. At all. And people were concerned because, whoa, 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 you're a conservative station. It's Urban One. Well, they're not going to have you on the air anymore. They own a conservative talk station in Charlotte called WBT. Good station. Me, I'm Tony Katz, by the way. Hey, how are you? Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com, TonyKatz.locals.com. WBT, they've owned it for over a year. The only thing they've done is sign people to long-term contracts and increase the local programming. I am not concerned at all. And I say that knowing that in three days from now I could get fired. Right? It's possible the thing switches over. Ryan, I'm out of a job. It is possible you're doing this show solo, Ryan. In three days' time, it's The Ryan Show starring Ryan. That would be an interesting one. No. Can you do it? Can you talk for three hours? Probably. I'm well, I mean, I could. I don't know, know what it would be about. It's, it's that kind of, of, uh, of faith and self that has me pretty sure that I get to keep a job for at least one more day. I don't know what's going to happen, guys, but if you ask me if I'm concerned about it, the answer is I am not. Because I don't think there's anything to be concerned by. And maybe it's because at this stage of, of the career, honestly, like if something happened, like if I lost the gig, first of all, I'd be, I'd be sad. Sad. And I'd go home and I'd have a cigar and, and, and a bourbon because, like, that would be any different. And then I would, I would like, sleep in for a few days, I got to admit. I'd take a couple days of just sleeping, sleeping in, not waking up to an alarm clock. And then I'd be like, okay, what's next? And then, and then that would be it. I'd be on to it. That's, that's just how I operate. You can't, you can't worry yourself about the thing that you, that you cannot worry about. But I, I don't plan on changing a single thing of what I do on air. I, I, I say this now, but they already know this. If someone says to me, hey, Tony, now that you're with this company, you can't talk about X. Well, then this was fun. 
Of course. If you can't do the job the way you need to do the job, then the job cannot be done. I don't want to do it. It's no longer fun. At that point, it's no longer interesting. It's no longer creative. It's no longer worthy of my time, my attention, my love, my, my, my effort. So I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm out. Well, Tony, here's the money. No, you don't understand. That's just money. I have to be able to look at myself in a mirror. I have to be able to sleep at night. And that ain't going to help. So got to go. One of the things that I will never stop talking about is what I see for this city. And so I have to be downtown for the next few days uh, as, as this, this switchover comes. So I'm getting my, uh, you know, I don't get this every day since, since I started working from home, which, which I have to admit, I, I, I love. But to be in this building at 40 Monument Circle and look out over the circle, look at the monument, it's a gorgeous view. This is, this is rare air. To be able to do this every day, I mean, I get why, you know, it's still enjoyable to come into the studio. If someone told me I couldn't talk about the city and the problems in the city, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Thank you very much. The violence issue, the homeless issue, the dirty issue. I came down here, my, my brother's in town, the good Dr. Katz, uh, wandering around the streets of uh, downtown Indy right now. And I gave him just a little tour to see it, just to orient him, and uh, it was not attractive to do. It wasn't full of pride that I drove downtown, like, check that out, check that out, check that out. It was homeless here, an empty storefront there, and dirty here. Are we going to pretend that this isn't happening? Are we going to pretend that everything's fine? It's not fine. You could tell me about the growth, Indie Monthly. Uh, they, they, they've got a whole thing about here's what's coming to downtown. Here's this. Here's that. There are a lot of cool things coming to downtown, but no one's talking about the problem. Everything's coming downtown except the people. The streets of Indianapolis at this moment of downtown Indianapolis are empty. They're empty. The storefronts, if you look at Washington Street, start there's, there's T-Mobile on one side and there there's a... Uh, 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 was it tastings? That's it at the Conrad on the other. The T-Mobile store is there. Tastings and Capital Grill is there. You have got three or four major storefronts that used to have restaurants and coffee shops empty. It's been over a year. Where are they? Where's the effort to clean them up? Across the street, you have a mall that nothing has happened with for quite a few years. Now, at least there's a discussion now of what to do with that mall. That discussion's a pretty important one. But let's not think that there th could have been things that have happened all along the way to beautify the area that have not happened because this city has not put the time or attention into it. This city allowed riots to happen without calling in the National Guard, allowed banks to be set on fire, allowed people to die, and never once instituted a program to ensure the storefronts can get glass on time so they can get the, the boards off the buildings and get them back up to something that looked like Indianapolis. And then when they put the boards back up because they thought there was going to be violence, we had people in this city saying that they were racists. The city is not okay. Now you can argue that there's violence increases all over the country. This is true. There was a shooting at a supermarket in Oregon. Oregon! You want to discuss their level of, of gun laws? In Houston, you had somebody evicted from an apartment complex, so he set it on fire so people would escape so he could shoot them. That is 
surreal and obscene. That is a cultural issue. Anybody who wants to say that's the gun is too ignorant to be a part of your conversations, drop them from your life immediately. It's my kid. All right, help him through the very best you can. The issue here isn't the gun. The issue here is a cultural one that says something happened to me I don't like, therefore everybody has to suffer. When we talk about uh, these, these Dutch soldiers getting shot, one getting killed, there was an altercation. Why didn't it just end with the altercation? It, somebody had to part two come and find these guys? Now, I'm not holding them not culpable. I still need more about the story. But I have four shot and one stabbed to death, stabbed to death in Indianapolis. That has more connection to the other deaths here and other places than anybody wants to talk about a gun. It has to do with how we deal with things. It is about cultural decay. It's cultural decay. It is a rot. Something has been extricated from the culture that needs to be put back in. Something exists in the culture that needs to be removed. And possibly a mix of things, in and out. But we don't have it. And we don't have a city that will be honest about it. Instead, we have a city that wants to cheer things like this. We have not seen in over a decade. Did that not play? Do I got to do that again? I, I, I hit the wrong button here. Let, let me play it again. This is Joe Hogsett, the mayor of Indianapolis. Indianapolis is experiencing a decline in violence at levels we have not seen in over a decade. He said that just last week. Because we're not trending to have the most number of murders Ever, we're trending to have the second most number of murders ever, and that's Joe Hogsett taking a freaking victory lap. Why? Why? What are you cheering, young man? The job's not done. You might as well say mission accomplished. No one knows how to advise you. The correct answer is, I'm glad to see that we're trending in the right direction. We have so much work to do to get this city back on track, and we're going to do it, and here's how. You want us to believe that your plan, your magical plan to fix violence is working. Your magical plan involves these, these interrupters that you're getting funded through the American Rescue Plan. Money you won't have in a couple of years. What's your plan then? You still won't discuss culture. You still won't discuss gang violence. You still won't discuss parents who allow their 14-year-olds to hang out in downtown en masse as opposed to saying to them, you don't let your 14-year-old hang out downtown. Keep them at home. What the hell is wrong with you? You won't be honest with parents in Indianapolis because you're too scared. Why? Because some of those parents might be black and you're white and therefore you'd be called a racist? Are you scared? Is that what you are? Honesty has to take a back seat to your own internal bigotries of not being honest with people because of skin color? Yours and theirs? 
let's be clear, he's not saying it to white parents either, or Asian, or Hispanic, or Jewish, or Christian, or Muslim, or gay, or sh- anybody else. He's not saying it. The Indianapolis City Council, County Council isn't saying it. They're too afraid to say it. And if you're not going to be honest about these things, exactly how in the world do things get better? How does that happen? The answer is, of course, it doesn't. It doesn't get better. It cannot get better. The total lack of honesty prevents anything good from going forward. Instead, I put, put, my, put, put this back up there, uh, Ryan. Instead, I've got a, a mayor who does this. Indianapolis is experiencing a decline in violence at levels we have not seen in over a decade. Don't take victory laps when there's no victory. Do not do it. Do not take victory laps when there is no victory. You have miles to go, Mayor Hogsett, before you can claim a victory in this city. And don't think you can claim when Indy 11 Park is going to take over the diamond uh, chain building. You don't get to uh, uh, claim victory when you see the massive growth of Alanco. That's not your victory. That's the state of Indiana's victory. This just happens to be the capital city. You want to get down to the nitty-gritty? Sure, I'll gladly do it. All those victories are because Republicans keep taxes low. Republicans grew this place. You want to fight? Let's fight! Because Republicans are also the ones who gave up on the capital of Indiana. Of Indiana. They gave up on Indianapolis. They said, here you go, Democrats. We're not going to run anybody against Congressman Andre Carson and actually back them. We're not going to run anybody against you for, for, for mayor. We give up. We saw that in the last election. They gave up. City, county, council. We're not even going to bother running anybody. That's why there's five out of 25 who are Republicans. We give up. Hey, we've got the governor's mansion, a supermajority. That's all we need. <laughs> Gave up on the capital damn city. We have so much work to do. And I'm not saying that we can't do it. I am saying it would be a lot easier if we had civic leaders and elected leaders who actually were interested in doing the work, but they're not. Elected leaders who are afraid to be honest and civic leaders who won't call out the political left in Indianapolis. But if the General Assembly wants to touch policing or you want to go after Republicans for actually believing in religious freedom, oh, they're all about it. You'll see headlines in the in the Indy Star saying, fix this now. You'll get the Lily people and the Cummins people and everybody else to all speak out. But to speak out against the city in turmoil as it has been for years, zero. Indy still has problems, and Indy is not on the right track. I want it to be. But until we get honesty from elected officials and civic leaders, we won't get there. I once again encourage them to do what is necessary and to drop the fear. I'm Tony Katz. So people are cheering Governor DeSantis. Well, a lot of people are cheering Governor DeSantis. And if, if you ask, he's the front runner for 2024, not Trump. I don't know. Is that wishful thinking on my part? I, I, I don't know. But he's the, he's the guy. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 
Um, DeSantis suspended four members of the Broward School Board. And people are like, oh, I wish my governor would do that. Oh, I wish my governor would, would suspend members of the school board. Oh, my school board sucks so bad. You have to read the story. There's a grand jury report that claims that each of these members, quote, committed malfeasance, misfeasance, neglect of duty, and incompetence in handling a campus safety program. Which one? Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Parkland. All those kids murdered. So this is how it came to be that DeSantis said, you're all suspended. And then I I believe he appointed um, five of the nine school board members. And that, of course, is going to drive people crazy because how dare he? And he doesn't have the right to do this, that, or or the other. He says, it is my duty to suspend people from office when there is clear evidence of incompetence, neglect of duty, misfeasance, or malfeasance. The findings of the statewide grand jury affirm the work of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School Safety Commission, and the action is in the best interest of the residents and students of Broward County and all citizens of Florida. I bring this up. Only because people are going to read this and say, yeah, look at what DeSantis is doing. Yeah, that's so great. You just got to know context. You got to know the context. And the context is in uh, the, uh, the, the, the aftermath. Is that the word I want to use? In the shadow of this, that's the word I want to use, of this grand jury report. This grand jury report is pretty rough and, 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 and tumble. You know, you've got the Broward Teachers Union all upset. This is deplorable. Our voters voted in people to do the business of Broward Public Schools. And unfortunately, what the governor's doing is putting politics in. He should be doing uh, more to focus on resources for schools in Broward County. Well, that's always the answer. More money, more money, more money. There's nothing that doesn't show me that Floridians aren't very pleased with Ron DeSantis. Work getting done, not all the crazy. Sure, plenty on the left think he, you know, uh, just getting woke nuts, especially with the Disney stuff. And there are one or two moves from DeSantis that I'm not in favor of. But in the main, he is engaged in action. And action is what has people excited. Action is what moves people. You, you allowed, through your incompetence, bad things to happen, you're gone. That's a rational place to be. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. So Governor Holcomb, he went to Taiwan. He went to South Korea. I don't mind that trip. Because I have made the argument here repeatedly over the last couple of years, we need to be doing more to bring manufacturing to Indiana. We should be much more aggressive and proactive about it. So when I see the governor doing something that I approve of, that I've been talking about, I'm going to say, well, solid. This is the, the right move. The question is, 
Is it going to bring us anything? Tony Katz at 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Gary Dick joins us from InsideIndianaBusiness.com. You've spoken with with Governor Holcomb, so that makes one of us. Uh, Talking about this this trade uh, trip, uh, are we going to hear about results, or is this about planting the seeds on a long-term play? Uh, I, I think both, uh, Tony. You know, typically these these trade trips, trade missions, um, if you will, are about relationships. They typically don't uh, generate, unless it's pre uh, uh, ordained, if you will, uh, actual deals at the time. But uh, something that's uh, you know made to build upon. Uh, however, there is or there seems to be a sense of urgency now when it comes to uh, microelectronics and the electric vehicle batteries, for example, and components in that uh, sector. And we have seen some successes. We see the uh, the Stellantis deal in uh, Kokomo with uh, Samsung SDI, which is a couple billion dollars, 1,400 jobs. We see uh, the um, uh, investment in South Bend, potentially New Carlisle, which could be a couple of billion dollars and 1,600 jobs. So we're beginning to see those things. So this trip was about uh, really cultivating and enhancing those relationships with the biggest semiconductor uh, companies in the world uh, in Taiwan, electric vehicle uh, component makers in um, uh, South Korea as well. So I think it was a combination. I think we're beginning to see investment, but there's so much money, Tony's billions and billions of dollars is going to be invested in these in these two sectors so indiana's trying to get their share and and so uh, they they should i I want to see that happen uh part of this chip issue has been of course when you talk about new cars and the the lack of 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 new cars Uh, car dealerships all over central indiana all over the the state that are are near empty and have been for well over a, a year is there any talk from uh, speaking of chips on, on this specific subject any talk from car dealers or or the manufacturers we have whether it's subaru or or the others about when there's a new timeline for this to to get resolved um, the, on the latest it was uh people thinking first quarter 2023 or, or a little bit beyond, do they still feel this is right? Or are they feeling uh, this, this is going to push out even further? Uh, it, it's a great question. And, and, you know, I've talked to several uh, some car dealers uh, who, uh, who just don't know. They say we flat don't know. We don't see any any end in sight, really. The, the speculation is maybe the first quarter of next year. But uh, a lot of question marks and uncertainty swirling around that industry. Uh it's uh, it's difficult to get a new car <laughs> right now uh, in in so many ways. So we'll see how it plays out. Part of the the, uh, the conversation too, I know, taking place on this trade trip was about strengthening uh, supply chains and getting those supply chains uh, uh, you know back in order. So w- we will see how that uh, how that rolls out. Talking to Gary Dick from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB, uh, looking at. Um uh, the, the the site and going over uh, some of this there's there's a technology conversation going on everywhere uh, uh isu uh they're adding a logistics hub uh to to, to plainfield you've got allison getting dod funding to to mm-hmm. develop next generation uh trans uh, transmissions uh, there are these things that are moving in the state when you talk to the the business leaders uh, around we've already heard dave ricks talk about education being a serious yeah. problem in in indiana what are they telling you is their pressing problem going into 2023 talent 
uh, plain and simple, one word is talent. And it, it's and it doesn't matter the, the sector, it doesn't matter the industry. It's finding uh, a talent, whether it's the, the technical talent needed to uh, uh, work at some of these uh, companies or uh, in the hospitality industry. We see uh, all the time now, it seems, uh, companies may be uh, uh, closing up early, uh, restaurants closing up early because they can't find help. Uh, on the flip side, as you look at, as we were talking about electric vehicle batteries, for example, this investment in uh, it's a General Motors joint venture near South Bend that uh, that may be going in there, a couple of billion dollars, 1,600 jobs. Basically, that's it's a clean room manufacturing type environment. You don't need a four-year college degree. You need training. Uh, perhaps it's an associate's degree, but you need you need training uh, to work there. Indiana has to get their arms around this whole workforce uh, uh, deal. And um, the guy asked the governor that question, can Indiana provide the workers? He feels confident that the state can do that, but it's going to take all the universities uh, involved. Ivy Tech has got to play and will play, I think, uh, a, a major role in it. But I think, Tony, to answer your question, it continues to be uh, that that uh, that whole talent equation. So there's an interesting uh, thing that that is being noticed, and this is uh, anecdotal conversation. I'm not going to reveal uh, uh, sources of of something interesting that's happening. That on the more starter jobs, right, those entry level jobs. Employers are starting to see a lot more applications, uh, food service, for example, things like that. Now, I've only heard this anecdotally. I cannot apply this across a, a broad spectrum. But I think it's interesting, as interest rates are continuing to go up, and you already have the, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, saying, get ready for a target rate of 3.75. We're only at two and a quarter, two and a half right now. So we're talking about another two points that we're going to see grow on, 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 on interest rates. And Lord knows what's going to do to mortgage rates, car rates, etc. cetera. Uh, you hear about housing that's going to go down 20 percent, as some experts uh, describe it. And you're seeing in the entry level more applications come in. So when we talk about talent, the question is, what do we have for the higher-end jobs? How many people do we have for the more entry-level jobs? But if there are indeed more people applying for entry-level, it's because people have realized that they can't live on those savings anymore because maybe those savings are gone, and maybe any dollars they were getting from COVID are now over, and you won't have any more eviction uh, relief. It's time to get back to work. Even Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan is saying, if you're not in the seat, you don't have the job. Two questions for you. Number one, are we seeing more people apply for jobs, believing that the the days of uh, lackadaisicalness are over? And number two, is there going to be a push in downtown Indianapolis specifically to say, get back in the office building or find a job somewhere else? Uh, great questions. I, on, on the first uh, question in terms of those entry-level uh, positions. I don't have any data on that, but but it would seem to make potentially make sense uh, as you look at the economy and, and where things are with mortgage rates, with with uh, obviously gas prices. All those things have been talked about for some time. Inflation, uh, a big issue. Perhaps that is what is driving that. If in fact that's uh, that's the case, uh, I, and I think you know, getting back to work, and I saw Jamie Dimon's comments. I thought they were interesting, and, and it, I, I think it's going to be a company by company. Decision. I don't think there's going to be a widespread, uh, you know, push to do that. But I think there are companies who uh, who say, look, you've got to be in the office. It's better for 
creativity, collaboration, all those kinds of things to be face-to-face. And you see some companies making that statement and doing it. Others are going, uh, actually, back to the whole talent thing, saying, uh, hey, we've got, to, we've got to be flexible. We've got to offer uh, employees the ability to work from home, the ability to work remotely if we're going to attract them. So I think it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. But, but I do sense that there are more than a few companies who want to get back to more of an in-person uh, type workplace. This leak of Nikki Haley's taxes are just another part of getting into this conversation of who's who's inciting what? Who's actually doing the inciting? What is it that they're inciting? Am, am I wrong to say that when I take a look at the political left, I take a look at the, the, the conversations uh, from uh, Joe Biden, I take a look at the conversations from the White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, I take a look at this idea, oh, if you vote for Republicans, uh, you're not a, you, you can't trust elections anymore. Who is trying to influence the elections, I think is a rational, worthy conversation. Politico released Nikki Haley's tax returns. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. As always, as always, as always. They did it. They got access to her tax returns, and they shared them. There are two parts to this story. Politico is who did this. And Politico, hot garbage. The first is that it was a release of who was donating to Nikki Haley. Who's giving money to Nikki Haley? Did anybody need to know who was a donor? Absolutely not. Is that a way to try and embarrass the donors and shame them? Absolutely. To print this is not uh, newsworthy. Politico is standing behind it, uh, of course. They, they want to tell you that it's newsworthy, but of course it's not newsworthy. But the release of this, the publishing of this, is actually the part two to a part one story, which is, how'd they get this? How'd they get our taxes? We're back to leaking the tax returns of conservatives. Ron DeSantis is up next. As a matter of fact, to do it with Nikki Haley, one could argue, you see, that's just a warning to the top tier candidates that you're next. Better get out of the race now. The releasing of the taxes, you want me to believe they just happened to get a hold of it? You, a Politico, just, you know, happened to obtain her taxes? Nonsense. It's a leak from the untrustworthy IRS, which is utilized as a cudgel against the wrong American people who have the wrong think. Because nobody is releasing Bernie Sanders' taxes. Elizabeth Warren's taxes. Absolutely, positively. What do you say to Brian no and others? One, say- no one. By the way, I, I, this Elizabeth Warren clip to me is so great. Put the web up there, uh, Ryan. Uh, check this out. What do you say to Brian and others who say that this is really not fair, that a student loan is just one kind of debt and there are other people who don't have that but have other struggles that the government isn't helping them with? You know, I think a lot about fairness, and I think about how education debt is different from other debt. I look at it this way. I wanted to be a public school teacher from the time I was in second grade. 
my daddy ended up as a janitor and there was no money for me to go to college but I found a public university that cost $50 a semester. Hey, you egomaniac. We're talking about why the rest of us have to pay debt for somebody else and we didn't get to decide what they did with the money. We don't question their own personal responsibility. We never got to choose the major. We're on the hook for their debt. Of course it's wrong. And you heard me talk about it. These people who want to make the argument, well, you were okay with Paycheck Protection Program loans being uh, forgiven. That was the legislation. You want to argue that it was wrong from the beginning, go right ahead. But no leftist argued it was wrong from the beginning. Even though it was a Republican president and a Republican Congress, they argued this was the right thing to do. Now, all of a sudden, those who, who utilized the system and they had more than 60% of the money going to wages in the first 24 weeks, so therefore the loan was forgiven. That's wrong. That's a problem. Again, it's the government via the White House and their social media accounts that is utilizing a database of who got Paycheck Protection Program money and utilizing it against people who followed the rules. It's obscene. And you have leftist after leftist who's like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, this will show you. Oh, look at those hypocrites. Kiss. Nope. Tony. Nope. You're just going to you're gonna smile. You're going to smile. You're not going to be that angry guy. You're not going to do. Oh, I'm disgusted. I am just, I got a call from my father yesterday uh, uh, about this. He's, he's been busy in his business, a couple of health issues. He's like, uh, don't get mad at me. I'm like, all right, well, I can't guarantee that. I've known you my whole life. Chances are I'm going to get mad at you for something. He goes, can I talk politics for a minute? I'm like, sure, go ahead. And he starts on this. I have not heard that man use that many four-letter, five-letter, six-letter, seven-letter words in a good long time. I think he made up three of them. Right on the spot. Right on the spot. Oh, disgusted. Disgusted. He's 84. He's still working. He's still paying taxes. He's got to pay for these low lowlifes. Lowlifes who don't want to pay their own way. You see, he's not even so much mad at the person who's having their loan forgiven. He's disgusted with the Elizabeth Warrens and with the Joe Bidens and with the Chuck Schumers and with the AOCs who think that his job at 84 is to still pay for their sick, twisted wants. And he's right. He is right to be bothered by that. Elizabeth Warren, of course, is wrong about everything, but all commies are always wrong about everything. It's wrong to publish the tax return of Nikki Haley. But Politico doesn't give a good holy damn about what's right and what's wrong. It's wrong that it gets leaked. And that's the story that's getting pushed aside. The IRS leaks. The IRS attacks conservatives. The IRS utilizes its power as a cudgel against American citizens who dare to disagree with them. These are the facts. These are the facts. They can't be denied. You want us to have faith in the system? You want us to somehow think that everything is good and fine and the IRS is on the up and up and the DOJ is on the up and up and, and, and the, the FBI is on the up and up? We, we, we don't. We don't think it. We don't believe it. And we don't believe it because of what it is you keep showing us. You keep showing us time and time and time again that you're not worthy of our love or admiration. And this is why 
when we do have elections, first you got to vote in overwhelming force because, uh, dear Lord, who knows what they're going to make claim to? Who knows how the things are going to go? And when you win, you can't talk about draining the swamp. That's the difference. I don't want to hear Trump talk. I want to hear about action. I want a thousand IRS agents fired, a thousand FBI agents, I should say, uh, officials fired, a thousand in the State Department, a thousand in the Department of Defense. What, you can't do that? Of course you could do that. Send a message. Now, someone told me, you know, Tony, you only need to fire 512. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to quibble. It's got to be about action. If you tell me the IRS is trustworthy, you are out of your holy damn mind. You're out of your mind. They're not trustworthy. This is what we're seeing. This is what we know. So let's say it. Find everything, guys, at TonyCats.com and TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.